0: Iron File in twenty eighteen. Watched it in Cook Park and I thought it was gonna throw up like I just it was a horrible feeling.
1: You wanted to win but you just felt like oh my god, if if they do win and they haven't been there, like is it worth it being over here?
0: Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts football on off the ball with sky watch every single live premier league game this season on sky sports bt sport and premier sports i'm prepared to do anything i can well, to do play it play then country again. do it then what about your start to the game i oh, was it wasn't bad was it <laughs> why should it be an honest answer being mistake how can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone why should he oh.
1: Welcome to Thursday Night's Football Show. Richie McCormack here with you for the duration. We'll be talking Italian football later on in the football show. But we shall start off with the primary motivation for me getting up tomorrow morning. It is the new start of the League of Ireland season. The Premier Division gets underway tomorrow night with four games. And among them, Derry City will be on the road away to St. Pat's and Bose will be going to Cork in the televised game uh, tomorrow and I'd imagine my guest at this time will have an eye on uh, events at Oriole Park where Dundalk will be up against UCD who managed to stay up towards the end of last season. New League of Ireland season is here of any part. How delighted are you?
0: Yeah, really delighted, envious of people. Um, I've taken a year out of the game at this stage and uh, but yeah, really missing pre-season at the moment. Yeah. Um, Sort of this—the first time it's hurt, in probably tw- uh, close on twenty years between being a player and a coach, where I'm not really being involved. So uh, yeah, it's difficult to to sit back and watch, but at the same time, oh, I love going to games. I'm um, I'm at one, two, three league foreign games a weekend, so I can't wait for it to start and uh, really
1: exciting. We were just uh, talking off air. You're like a proper addict because we were talking about the the coldest places on Earth, one of which is. Uh, the away sides at the Carlisle Grounds in Bray, which it could be 25 degrees outside uh, beyond the wall and you would be having people sunning themselves on the beach.
0: It's probably the only place in, in the world where you could probably get sunburn and a, a head cold at yeah. the same time. 100%.
1: Um,
0: yeah, like the, not the last bank holiday weekend. There was a weekend, a bank holiday weekend in the mid-season where I'd done shells on at three o'clock, UCD mm. at five and rovers on the way home. Yeah. Jesus. Um and That's I dedication. I didn't see anyone else there. Yeah. Uh, it's either dedication or it's a bit of lunacy. lunacy. Yeah. But I suppose i am starting now to add um I go to the UK probably once a month as well and fly into generally Gatwick, Gatwick's great. You fly into Gatwick, walk down the stairs, get a train. You can go to Crawley two stops later, you can be in Brighton in forty minutes, etc. So That
1: is the first time I've ever heard the Gatwick Express be praised. Yeah like literally anywhere.
0: No, I know I get that, <laughs> but I, I Listen, I say it's great. Is, is yeah. what's uh, what you're judging it off? So <laughs> look, it's great in the sense of helps you get to places,
1: so. trips into central London, Vinny. When yeah. I was in my early twenties, when the weekend would become a blur after getting off the Gatwick Express, is probably what I'm judging on. To be fair, uh, but that's another story for another day. As you mentioned, uh, you know you, you're missing preseason. Are you still looking to get back in? Like I know you, We've we've spoken off air and on before about you know your ambitions that still lie within the game. You're still out there and yeah back involved
0: um I, I, I what i tend to like to do is do my business quietly so certainly i wouldn't be leaking that i've applied for this job or interviewed for that job recently i have interviewed for a couple of jobs not not in league of Ireland. haven't applied for a lot in league of Ireland. um did want to come away from for a while um but yeah it's something it burns away at you absolutely right. um so uh still still uh, um and, and a genuine, I genuinely mean this is a joke still the reigning League of, uh, League Cup champion winning manager so <laughs> until they play the competition again <laughs> I still own that title so no look I'm really it, it is you have a passion for football and yeah looking really looking forward to uh, hopefully an opportunity comes up at some
1: stage Fingers crossed uh, for you on that front um, we'll start with the I guess an overarching look at what's going on in the close season because <clears throat> I think we've had this discussion before certainly on air as regards transfers and I know Keith Long when he was Bohemians manager and I think just after he'd left the job actually he had an interview with, with Oceania Langan I think on, on the uh, the League of Ireland show whereby they were talking about how this window the January window as it is in, in England and the pre-season window as it is in the League of Ireland is actually an exceptionally difficult time to get in players and what we've seen particularly in this off-season is a massive drain and there are factors that lead into that, but we've seen another massive drain of players head away from the league, particularly over to England, some to Scotland as well, and player like teams scra- scrabbling around to a degree, and, and having to use alternative sources for players and using transfer databases and, and and things like this, whereby it's not an easy time to reconfigure a squad at the time when you're most in need of reconfiguring your squad.
0: Yeah, I think, and one of the biggest challenges for a manager or a coach at the moment is. Um, we, um, I'm, I'm, there'll be a little bit of there'll be a little bit of grayness with the truth, but you'll see you'll get a you'll get a text message from a player or an agent, or you, you'll hear some comes available through all these different platforms that exist now. But the the bottom line is that player probably wasn't available in November, mm. so you haven't been haven't had an opportunity to watch him and watch him live. And every coach and manager will want to watch somebody live if they can before they sign them. So there is a little bit of some players are signed off video. Um, by and large, I think most managers will go and meet the guy as well. I think you've got to look into the white of the eyes of somebody going to sign. But of a lot of it is being done through Y scout instead, um, and and doing a lot of work, video work on a player. And the challenge with that is uh, I find is from even from a role w- w- with Dundalk with a lot of the European stuff is somebody can look quick on video, but mm. actually what you judging it against and when you go live then you can come back and go, Yeah, guys he's quick and we've seen I've seen that with um, scouting for whether it was back in the day for Derry or for Dundalk. Seeing somebody live or uh, is huge and it's 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 very difficult for managers at the moment. A lot of players have come available in January or didn't get moves in England and clubs are open to them coming on loan now. Um, so managers will be will have very limited amount of opportunity to watch them live and that's a real challenge for League of Ireland coaches at the moment
1: What are these websites like or these portals like because I, I, clearly they're a step above somebody setting five minutes of, of highlights to trance music like we'd find on YouTube for, for God knows you know, you'd know, you have, have team players have that now online what are these places like to try and find players Yeah so,
0: so the YouTube video clip that people may see of players Ignore that Most managers I, I think would ignore I yeah. certainly would do It'd be sent to you by an agent. But I'd ignore it. Yeah. There, there's platforms. Um. Um. Whether it's Scout Instat. So Scout's heavily used within this country. Um. It is exceptional. Right. Exceptional. Um. It means that you know everything about, whether it's your opposition or again the player. So, a player in Estonia top division this year. Um. I'd probably, for example, if he took corners. Uh, take me five minutes to sh- to have every single corner he's taken this season in a, a short video reel, no problem. So I'll I'll be able to ascertain how good of a quality is for his corner. It's just one small example, right? So you wouldn't sign a player on that, but you know the point I'm making is some that, might, some might, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back in the day, the old Pat's day, Pat Dolan would have, you know, <laughs> same Pat's. Uh, but you know the point I'm making, I make. I do, yeah. If he if he has a long throw i would be able to find that straight away. Some managers will look for a player with a long throw, yeah, for of course sake. Um, Ollie Horgan would have signed them straight away. but you know, So, w- there is that, that level of detail is there, and it does certainly help. Uh, but again, seeing somebody live and knowing the league they're playing in is huge. And then the, the challenge with a lot of players coming into our country is, and we have to bring them in now because we've lost so many players, yeah. there is a drain on our talent. We have to accept that, is... Do they adapt to our league, and that that's that's a difficult one because it's not as straightforward as people think. You know, we've had we've had some great players come into this league and not really take off because they couldn't adapt to the style. And um, you wouldn't. It's very difficult to equate this league. I watch a lot of League Two, League One. As I said, once a month, I'd, I'd go over and watch a game. It's a different. We're we're actually more technical than a League Two side. But at the same time, you can see why some of our players would go over there. Some of our better players have gone over, and struggled at League One level. So, the, there's a there's a lot of what's that disconnect then? Um, well, it's down to the it's not all. In in fairness, there's clubs in England now who would be very much p- passing teams, etc. Back in the day, it wasn't that way. But I mean, probably the most talented footballer I've ever worked with, Patrick McIlhenney, went to the UK, and it didn't happen from. Um we we I you know, have my own suspicions why he probably needed to jump the League One and be a, a championship player. And then maybe the clubs in the championship didn't feel he was good enough to be a championship player and I don't think the League One suited him. So in, in one sense people say, How does that make sense? Because we've good enough to play championship, we have good enough to play League One, they're they're slightly different styles. Um it's more about picking up seconds and
1: they can be dogfights,
0: yeah. And but at the same time, there's some quality teams, you know, M- MK Dons. That we go on. There's some teams that play really good football. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. But uh, recently, went to watch Fleetwood play. Um, I think it was Port Vale, and it was it was a dogfight. It was about seconds. It was about mm. picking up uh, stuff, and and at the same time, there was a little bit of quality on the pitch as well. So it's it's that balance.
1: So when people like try to compare the. You know the Premier Division here to League One and League Two. It's it's there's a slightly more nuanced conversation that yeah, needs to go on there.
0: Absolutely, complete. It's not completely different, but it is different. But you can see why we, you know, people from. We've seen a couple come in from uh, Latvia uh, recently, or you know, flora talent for argument's sake, and you can see. Two years ago, Dundalk played a team from from the country and Rovers at the same time, um, both. Yeah, we, we knocked him out and Rovers lost by the odd goal, but it was they were very evenly matched. So that would tell you that you can actually go to that league and, and sort of you can see why players there have come in and, and done quite well or will do quite well. Rovers just recently signed uh Pum from uh Floritalon, is it? And I think he'll be he, he looks a really, really good player, but you can see why they've done it. Marcus Poom from Floritalon, yeah, on loan. And I can see why they've done that. Um, they will know Talon quite well from the Champions League when they they compete against each other. So, um, it's 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 about understanding that it's not
1: straightforward. Uh, as we mentioned, a lot of players have have made their exit between November start of December and this weekend. Like <coughs> it, it it seems to be getting worse uh, in that aspect, but you can understand why. That's happening, and that's happening for a number of reasons. It's happening for contractual reasons here. It's happening because of Brexit reasons. The players aren't going over as young as they used to, so they are picking them up at a certain age when they've now gained experience in men's football rather than just in, in underage football. But the talent that we've lost between uh, between uh, November and now, like I, we focused a lot on what Bo's lost last year because clearly, like with the Ross Tierneys and Dawson Davois and all that yeah. it was, and Georgia Kellys it was a huge tranche of that team gone it's been league-wide this time around, really.
0: Yeah, and I think you obviously mentioned the obvious stuff, Brexit and um, ex- um, and the, this. if you imagine a guy from Estonia, it's so difficult for them to hit the criteria to get a work permit in England now that they have to look to this league. The other advantage we have is that um, because there's a lot of young and up-and-coming players being in a the league, um, there's, they've had a huge amount of games played, so senior men's game played, so... If you watch in under twenty trees, th- it's now under twenty ones game of football in the UK. You've got some seriously talented footballer, but it's at a different pace, and it's in it's. It's not academy football, but it's a bit slower. It's a bit more. They're over, almost over coached. A bit more structure to it. Where if you look at Fleetwood played the other night and uh, Phoenix Patterson crossed, and Promise cherry scores the header. Yeah, right. So. They have to be looking at that and they're looking at both them players saying Phoenix Patterson's probably played 50, 60 men's game of football and Promise Amicherry has scored or has played something similar for, for Bowles, obviously. So for them, that takes a lot of boxes. Yes, they can get and they probably will still take the guy on Man City who technically fails and goes down the league, but he's probably never played men's football. I said the difference with Promise has been up to Harps he's been to Cork away he's been to
1: Dundalk away it's, it's literal competition like it's the most literal uh, phraseology of competition because under 23 under 21 Premier League 2 football just yeah. isn't like they're, they're extremely technical players as you mentioned yeah. possibly a little bit overcoached but there there is that sense that those games don't mean anything and you're playing in front of nobody more often than not whereas it's much different here
0: yeah and does for one thing about it, there's money on the line Does mm. there, there might be you know uh, there might be fifty quid clean sheet on the line for a goalkeeper, and if the if the striker comes back and doesn't head it clear off the line, he he'll be told all about it. It's it's um the what's the he, they used to call it men's football. now what what's the right word? It's it's big grown up football where you're given that. Uh, root in the backside when you need it, and they've learned that the hard way, and it helps them. And then, what the benefits for us in Irish football is? Then we're building the talent pool. Talent pool is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, there is a there is a big challenge with it though as well. Something that sort of needs to be discussed, and and maybe not here at this moment, but the elite players being held back from going away between sixteen and eighteen. I'm talking about the really elite players. That is a big problem. That's something we could do with fixing, I don't know how we fix it. But certainly, uh, League One, League Two in particular, are looking at a player saying, "Wow, this guy might have a 100, 120 appearances under his belt." You look at Andy Lyons; he's won league titles. He's 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 probably played a couple of h- over a hundred times in senior football, and this Blackpool say, "You know what? We'll take him." Mm. and he, he's ready made for them
1: he can hit the ground running when you say players 16 to 18 being held back what do you mean by that so
0: um, the obvious one is and um, I, I'm reluctant to talk too much about Evan Ferguson obviously when Evan Ferguson most likely going to be involved in a huge game for Irish football against France in four weeks time under the current rules Evan Ferguson would only be in the UK four five weeks now because he, he's only turned 18 uh, mid-December, the next transfer window would have been first of January, so effectively it would have been four to six weeks. He wouldn't, His development wouldn't be down the road of where it is now, it's fair to say, because no one in Ireland can offer him what he got at Brighton, we just can't, we're nowhere near that, we're miles behind it, so as much as my judge progress, the development of our elite players has to be looked at and we need a bit of a hand with it. So, as I said, there's no way Evan would be down the position he's in. For obvious reasons, he would have been here most likely at Bohemians, training away, probably playing first team football last year. Yes. But he wouldn't have been able to go into the Brighton and into Brighton's first team this quickly. Um, And you wonder where he would be in as someone like him in his development.
1: It, a lot of that would be down to Brexit and the impacts that that's had in terms of recruitment that yeah. English clubs are able to indulge in from, from overseas and it's not well, just... It, it's it, not sorry, just, Richie, it's, it's a FIFA rule as well. Yeah, it's FIFA strictly well. FIFA rule. Yeah. Yeah. But how do we go about addressing that then?
0: Um, um, whether, whether people like it or not, th- our facilities in this country or training facilities are nowhere near uh, good enough. Um, I was recently spent some time at a Cat 3 club in the UK. They're here. They're here, should I say. Cat 3 and and Irish clubs are down here.
1: What's Category 3 in terms of... So,
0: category, category 3 would be a typical League, league 1 club, okay. okay? Premier division would be Cat 1 mm. um, championship clubs and some premiership clubs would be Cat 2. So, Cat 3 is... Sort, I'll give you a club like... Someone like Luton Town, okay? And very rough numbers would have about 140 to 150 players outside of the first team players. They'd have 24 full time staff mm. to cover them and probably another fifteen to twenty part time staff will come in the evenings. Okay. Altogether I would say to you, they have more full time staff than Irish football do in in their academy setup. One club who's probably category I think they're category three. So we we judge ourselves. I come onto this show when we talk about professional football and players not playing at that level. We judge we're doing really well. The Gerard Robinsons, uh, um, Shane Robinson, should I say, of this world, Jerry O'Brien, um, all, all these got the work they're doing is fantastic and it's brilliant and I am in for one second knocking anything they're doing. It, we're developing players and you can see the amount of them going away but like, we just don't know what good is. That's the problem. We don't know what good is. As I said, I went to Fleetwood's another example. The, the U team are in full time. They've got uh, outside of the force teams training facilities on the same premises. They've got two grass pitches. They've got an AstroTurf pitch to get fed before training, after training by chefs. They've got full time strength and conditioning coach as part of the staff. They've obviously got coaches there that are full time. Mm. And they've got uh, access to the physiotherapies that are full time dedicated to the youth team. There's no one in this country close enough to that. They're only Cat 3. They need, like, just to become Category 2 you need a dome, a dome building to house a football pitch just to move from Cat 3 to Cat 2 in the UK so when we compare ourselves to UK and we say oh we've only got X amount of players playing here actually the barometer of England has to stop and has to be taken out of Irish football or else we need to invest in our young players so uh, another example I watch Wolves under 18 train. And honestly, Richie, it's so hard to explain to you. The training pitch they were on was as good as the Viva Stadium. Mm. Okay, cones and bibs and all of that stuff you'd expect is Premiership level. But then you've got you've got all the staff are full time. Then players have uh, done all the prehab and all that stuff in the morning and being given their breakfast. They then finish that training session and do a debrief in a video room because the session is recorded. And then they go into um, and have their meal, go home, looked mm-hmm. after. You cannot tell me anybody in this country is able to provide that for players between 16 and 18. So while, we're, while Brexit is being good to us, it's helping a lot of players get away and move. Your Andy Lyons probably would have went anyway, but it's helping us get the likes of Kieran Kelly an opportunity. Luke McNally's perfect example. He went to Oxford as a young player from Draw a Stroke, St. Pat's, um, and then Burnley signed up for a million. So we're doing a good job. We're doing a great job. But if we want to go to the next level, we've got to improve our facilities, and we've got to make an industry here because the rewards are there. That's all down to finances.
1: Like like you mentioned, investing—it's literally putting money into these things. Yeah. What there's there's several elements that can be pursued there. One of them is a point that Dan McDonald made. Uh, in relation to Seamus Coleman's uh, 400th appearance wasn't it for Everton on yeah. Monday night was that he went for 60 grand like whatever it is decade plus later we're still sending people over for 60 grand 80 grand 50 grand yeah. which is in like and they, these are fully developed players the, the further down the line the Seamus Coleman going from Sligo would have been at that stage and still getting the same amount of money not even adjusted for inflation that's Uh, a terrible way to run a business if you're looking at the League of Ireland and you're looking at clubs as a business and we're being exploited because of our weaknesses and that's in a business sense that's almost fair enough but you want to have that investment from a government level as well that allows clubs to uh, have those facilities have academy facilities and and as you mentioned even small things like pitches that are of a decent surface and not you know playing, playing on plowed fields more often than not
0: yeah, and and um, yeah. no, the point about the fees we get, you, that will only improve um, on on when we improve the quality of our product and we're more regularly, you know, playing in a European football at, uh, group stages, etc. And I think the the fees have started to improve
1: to a point. They're still. Too I think low. based on five, based on five, what they were five years ago, say, yeah. they are better.
0: Yeah, they're better, that, yeah. but they're still they're still too low. But um, the the challenge you have is, and it's happened to me where. Uh, a, a young player got offered a club a championship club um, he was playing for our, our, our under-19s at the time uh, the club offered tiny money I'm talking about four or five thousand mm. we said no as a club and then the parents the family the people surrounding the player think you're you're taking away an opportunity from and then you end up giving in to something that's not that re- not significant in any way shape or form so yeah. it's a really difficult situation we're in in the country and clubs are in but the, the challenge is bigger than that and it has to come from if we want to be regularly qualifying for tournaments we pe- people don't like hearing this and they just don't like hearing it and they won't agree with me on social media or youtube or wherever they'd be putting up smart comments about what i'm saying we overachieve as an international side for what we provide In terms of football in this country, we absolutely overachieve, and we don't achieve a lot of times. Mm. We sporadically qualify for tournaments. We completely and utterly overachieve for what we provide. As I said to you, you use the um, um, use the English model for example. A club like Luton Town probably have more full time employees than we do. Close to as the uh, you
1: know are all our underage setups in in League of Ireland. How do we go about bridging that gap? Not necessarily. I don't use in England as a barometer. Is, yeah. is something you want to avoid? But if financially, how do we go from where we are now to where we want to be? Yeah, and And to be honest, that's the challenge. I mean, um, Is that down to like like Mark Anam has come in, in in the FAI director of football role. Does he have part of the responsibility to bear with that now? Is there a case of God? I was listening to Charlotte Burns was on this morning talking about the GA presidency that he's running for on Friday. Yeah, and he was talking about how the shirt sponsorships and the backs of jerseys. Was you know something that's come in, and he had the notion that you know this was a way for uh, lesser counties, Division Three and Division Four counties. If those contracts for a sponsor in the back of a jersey had been sold centrally, then that money could have been attributed, you know, in a sensible way yeah. on an incremental level down throughout the different counties. Is that something that the FAI needs to look at in resting control of some of the commercial aspect of of football in a better way to distribute the money that might come into the league rather than everybody having their own little fiefdom. Everybody's entitled to their own money and everybody's entitled to their own gate receipts. But you need to be a bit cleverer about how we distribute the money that this game in the country can generate.
0: Yeah, I, I think the laziest and the easiest thing to do is say, blame the FEI, Okay? Partly, one is they don't have an awful lot of money and they're, in for obvious reasons, for the, for historic reasons, should I say. I think, I think Mark is a really difficult job. People like Will Clark, really difficult job, who would be sort of head of the uh, academy set up, got difficult job. I think um, I think it, it's such a crime crime is the wrong word, that the most participated sport in this country soccer, football is so far down the pecking order and we've got to change that and unless we change that we need government funding, You like local parks Local, and I'm talking about local parks in, in the States now will have two football pitches, they'll have uh, AstroTurf pitches, they'll have two or three really well-maintained soccer pitches, as they call them, obviously. They'll have local parks will have four or five soccer pitches just just there for people to use. And we're so far behind the facilities. And what we do is, <coughs> we, I've used this example before. We, uh, I'm from Talla, originally. We give Talla Town, my, my first club, brilliant club, there's X amount to help you to build your AstroTurf pitch. Uh, Newtown Rangers, about a mile away, there's X amount. Sacred Heart, there's X, Kilnarn there you go. Feather Current, there you go. All within a mile and a half of each other. They've all got facilities. Yeah. Have one bloody good one that's state of the art, that's up another level. And then the knock-on effect is obviously, pe- what people don't realise and local councillors don't seem to realise is, actually, there's so many kids in that really top-class facilities. They're not wrecking bus shelters. They're not drinking in parks, not doing this. It fixes so many issues. And until until football and soccer, whatever reason, becomes part of um, the psychic or in, get into the brains of politicians, it ain't going to change and football will suffer as a result of it. We don't have good facilities. We're way behind and we actually don't even know what good is. There's some... some strides being made by Shamrock Rovers as I said Cork are making really good strides Sligo are making good Uh, Bowles moving to to, um, DCU is a really good uh, move by them Uh, Pats have really made big big strides but we need like, we need huge effort
1: uh, or else we won't be at major tournaments for a long time. Small thing, because this jumped out at me because I'm there every Saturday when I was watching, I don't know if you saw the Liam Brady documentary. Yeah. Because of nice, he was, one of the first scenes in it is he is in Ellenfield up beside Hall Church yeah. where he's talking about um, his days with Kevin's and he's looking at the park and then they have some archive from kids and I think he was one of them playing on, on Kevin's which would have been early 70s it's 50 years later that park in the surfaces on it are still the same I'm seeing Kevin's up there uh, young teams playing up there and they're, they're you know they're o- they're, they're okay pitches, but they're not amenable to young kids honing skills it's 50 years it's not a case of 10, 20 it's not a legacy of John Delaney or whatever No, this is 50 years yeah. that that has just been left to be the status quo yeah and it, it's mind-boggling when you put it in those well, terms.
0: Well, people criticise some clubs, your own club, for being too political. Okay, You take uh, one that I would experience, Dundalk, four or four and a half thousand people every week for the yeah. last ten years. There was politicians in that area just about got over the line for a couple of hundred seats, right, here or there. Well, why didn't that four and a half thousand people leverage them getting elected by or a politician showing up at that ground and helping them get over the line. Four and a half thousand seats in any uh, uh, election in this country is a huge amount, right? Same with all the clubs. Clubs have to get, and politicians, they have to be put under pressure. They say, do you realise what we're doing for society here? Help us out and get something back. We need a huge amount of government funding. And I I know all sports cry out for funding, Mm -hmm. but Irish soccer has been left behind. Outside of Tallis Stadium, we don't have a proper, good enough facility in this country. And I would say the top ones outside of Sligo are all run by councils. And beyond that, we're so far behind. And the problem is even deeper than that. It's deeper than that because it's about where our elite footballers are playing now. Going back to our 16, 18-year-olds, They're going to struggle. Liam Brady needed English football to become the star he is. Mm -hmm. Ronnie Whelan needed English football to become the star he is. Robbie Keane needed English football. And please God, Evan Ferguson needed English football. We've taken that away now until they're 18. So we better give the next elite player proper facilities and proper structures to work on. Coaches are good enough. They just need a hand and people need help.
1: Uh, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place. Cross Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We've meandered off topic a little bit, and I think that's okay because that's the discussion that yeah. that does need to be to yeah. be had, and that's fine. Um, but we will get into the meat and potatoes of the upcoming league season, which gets underway tomorrow night. Four Premier Division encounters. Uh, we'll look at the talent that's left the league. We'll look at the talent that's come in, and we'll look at the talent that's very much still there. All after this little break. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Football Team This is News Talk Welcome back to Thursday Night's Football Show Richie McCormick here with you Vinnie Perth joins me in studio We meandered a little bit off topic but not entirely I think that was a conversation that that's well worth having and to be honest with you there are several more conversations like that that do need to go on and uh, you mentioned without wanting to give the game away about you know, you have to be a little bit politically savvy and you have to be a bit you have to yeah. build a cup on. I think the 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 time when you're talking about developing your own players, the time for actually keeping people sweet and making sure that you don't upset people, that needs to go. Yeah. And proper big adult conversations actually need to happen and big adult decisions need to be made without the fear of oh, well, I might alienate him a little bit and they might, they might think I'm a, you know, SH1T or whatever. People need to stop caring about that stuff and actually yeah, make...
0: and I just, I suppose, my my sort of last point is we have to be honest of where we are. Yeah. Okay, we we think we're doing a good job and by and large, we're doing a good job for what we have. But we have to be honest and say... There's whole other echelons. No, explore, we, yeah. If you want to get to the next level, if you want to earn that major championships, then you need to improve things and the knock-on effects are there. And, and I think... Uh, it's why I bring up politics in the middle of that to say uh, politically we get the support of the government football uh, I, I grew up in Kilnardin in the mid 90s, late 80s heroin, drugs was a huge part of that society people walking around the streets um, a lot of people passed away in that area when I grew up mm. my sole focus and my whole life through the 80s and 90s was football <laughs> and sport has a way of fixing a hell of a lot in society and that's why I say politically give us a hand just for the participation part of it and then the elite will come as a result of it and we need to we need to do more yeah. and be honest
1: uh, Let's get to how uh, many points Bows are going to win the league by uh, because that's what we're really here for um, this evening um, yep. which is obviously the case but no, to, to, in, in reality tomorrow night's fixtures are actually kind of ideal because it gives us a sense of figuring out in a very early sense, and I know you can't use one game as a, as a barometer for anything, but how, where people are without rovers because they're obviously not playing until Saturday night. They're playing yeah. uh, up at the showgrounds. So we get a sense of, of where Derry are at because they've got a really good fixture away to uh, St. Pat's. We get a good sense of where Dundalk are at because they've got UCD at Oriel Park and similarly um, with Bohemians going down to Cork City. That's a really intriguing contest because we get to see if Cork City was a promotion and then just stopped there or if they're actually going to make progress from here because they're under new ownership now, of course. Uh, Cork Forest have have taken a step back and and sold the club on. They're at a really interesting point in their uh, relationship with their own fans and with the league. And then you've got Bohemians there as well who who obviously want to make that next step. They have Declan Devine in. They have Pat Fella now as a Director of Football. And they're still adding to their squads as we come yeah. to the edge of the season. So it's a really intriguing set of fixtures. I don't know where you want to begin first there, Vinny. I'll, yeah, I'll let you have I,
0: I suppose, look, I think, um, I think Shamrock Rovers have have uh, continued to build. I think um, they they are the team to beat. I don't think and mm-hmm. that's not, I'm not a rocket scientist for working that out. Um, I think Liam Bort, uh, John Kenny, Trevor Clark, and Marcus Poole are probably all signers they needed to make. Um, you would feel uh, uh, Trevor Clark maybe takes that role you feel they're probably short of a wing back somewhere along the lines okay um, but beyond that I think they're, they're there to catch I like what uh, Derry have done and um, Colin Whelan um, and Ben a good signing and then they've brought in two wingers from uh, Preston and Ipswich so but I think Derry D- Derry need to improve I think they will improve I think they learned from last year Um but I suppose, actually, you, you'd be happy to hear go on. the probably team I'm most excited about is Bohemians. Uh, is there a league-winning team? No, probably not. But I think some of the signings have been really good. First of all, uh, Decky Devine, great guy. He's won the Cup with Derry back in the day. And managing Derry and managing bows, albeit very different clubs for different but very similar in terms of uh, you have to feel passion everything about the passion of Decky, people will see and I think they will like but the sign of Pat Fallon is like uh, I hope he's not listening because me and Pat generally fight like cats and dogs and we've probably uh, almost come to blows about a hundred times but the sign on him is a brilliant sign it's a perfect addition he is uh, masterclass at League of Iron Football and mm. delighted to have him back
1: I think what was telling when it, that, that point was made was in the different comments on social media be it on Facebook or be it on Twitter Instagram even was the same there were a lot of Linfield supporters chiming in really uh, mourning his, 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 his lost to, to Bohemians because I think that's testament to the job he's probably done up there and made them competitive we saw, we saw what they did in Europe this year, Linfield. I mean, yeah. they gave teams that probably we weren't expecting them to give a rattle to, a rattle. And a lot of that is down to the organisation that he put in place at yeah. that club over the last four or five years.
0: Yeah, and I suppose enough love in a pot, right? Don't, don't go overboard. <laughs> no, I, I'm delighted to have him back. You're right, it's a it's a brilliant appointment. And um, he'll be a massive asset to, to Declan Devine. And and the club in general, I think. was um, crying out for it. He was crying out for that role. And... Um, uh, as I said don't like giving too much away might have even suggested it uh, not, not Pat but somebody <laughs> but now look going back to them on the pitch I think Keith Buckley coming back um, massive. is massive okay and we don't know what Keith Buckley we're going to get but what we will get is energy with a high level of, of running power yeah. you go back to the, the dark moment I was in the ground when it happened balls against shells. They lacked energy. They lacked competitiveness. They lacked everything. Uh, that is about a team like Balls trying to fight, to improve, and improve. And I think that was in the the cup quarter final, final. I think they're bringing in him. Was that he Mac- drove past me and said, "I looked." Yeah, at the rest? I yeah. Like, yeah I actually felt for you. you know. <laughs> I, I, I was a defeated man in many ways that afternoon. You know, yeah, I, I really. I, I was going to beat and I didn't because <laughs> I just said, "You've had bad enough day." But um, on on Balls, um, I think they've got to. And they'd probably admit this themselves. They've got to start at a back four, okay? Keeping their goalkeeper, James Talbot, fifth is really important. Back four is probably my area of concern. But Adam McDonald in midfield, um, I don't understand why more clubs didn't try and get him. Adam McDonald from Sligo, for me, uh, because he plays for Sligo, a lot of Dublin based people wouldn't have seen him. Again, he's just another key Buckley in terms of his energy levels, his, his running power. And you've got to have that in this league, particularly early on the
1: season when the pitches are heavy and etc. Well, that was something that clearly was missing last year. Was yeah. it, in, in that energy and that running power, there's also driving of standards, yes. uh, which you need in the centre of the park. And that's something with no disrespect to the players that were there last season. Yeah. That was clearly missing. Like, clearly missing. And to put a double dose of that into midfield is, is huge for them.
0: When I look at... When I look at... Um, um, Balls midfield, Adam McDonald and Keith Buckley and um obviously you've got Jordan Flores there. But and James McManus again, I think he could be one of the breakout stars. Yeah. When I look at that midfield, I say it's as good as most, as good as everybody. Whether you like it or not, maybe not as good as a rover's midfield, but it's there with everybody else within reason. And then I think Dylan Conley, uh particularly in Dalyman it's a big signing for them Okay, uh, he's been away played at a decent level David Conley in behind um, people you remember the, the Daniel Kelly type of player that Balls had a couple of years ago I think Dylan Conley is a big big signing for them so um, I, I like what I see about them I like where they're coming from I um, particularly from midfield up I think they're really strong and I like the dynamics of as I said Pat and uh, Pat coming in Deku coming in Balls for me um,
1: will will go close to a European spot I think they could do that oh, I like what you're saying uh, Jonathan Afolabi is a player in there as well we should mention because yeah. the, the, the talk is that it could have been a very different end of the season had he stayed fit for them last year so his signing has almost gone under the radar because people have seen so little of him since he came back from Celtic but an incredible talent to have within that squad. Yeah, and, and I've, I've heard, heard good. Rep-
0: I've heard good reports in terms of he's trained really well. He's he's getting himself uh, fit again. Um, I don't know whether um, he should have done more in, in Scottish football. You hear different bits and pieces, but I think I think in the,
1: if the environment is right, in balls someone like him can be yeah. a breakout star. On Rovers, I want to talk about them um, yep. I, because a lot of the talk around them last year was that they'd gotten to a level and you look at their performances in Europe and you look at the attitude that they had in Europe, which was almost that these games, where the, the the group stage games were, in relation to the title run-in, were almost a distraction and the team was rotated with that in mind yeah. to a degree. Have they signed to stand still or have they signed to make progress from that point?
0: Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's a different one. I don't think there was much space in the squad to add many more players. That was the problem. Um, like Liam Bort, uh, John Kenny as leading the line as the centre forward coming in on loan from Celtic. You know, Rory Gaffney was the player of the year last year, to be fair. For me, it was him between him and Cameron Dunnwick and at Derry, Rory winning the league probably swung his way. So, they hadn't got a lot of room for improvement. Um, probably, up and down a little bit at times in midfield and um, and I, I believe Marcus Pium is an outstanding player is, is what I'm hearing under the sort of radar so yeah it's, it, it, I'm conflicted on that one because I remember in 2019 we won four to five trophies and at the end of the season I had a review with the ownership and it was just a good season because we didn't go well enough in Europe we went out in the third round to Slovan Bratislava um, and we had to make sign to improve in Europe. Mm. And it was a difficult meeting because, you know, in, in many... We won four to five trophies, but I was sort of criticised about our performance in Europe. And we tried to sign players that would help us kick on in Europe. But that was the remit of, of me. So I'm not sure they have done that enough. But they may feel what they have is good enough and that will be tested. Um, I think the Conference League now. I think the Conference League has run for three years, and we've had two teams in the group stages, mm. or we've been in it twice. Conference League is a huge benefit to Irish clubs. Um, I don't want to say it's not difficult to get into it. That would be the wrong way of putting it, but it's certainly. Um, it's an achievable. It's you, achievable, yeah. and I think it almost be a disappointment. If you didn't qualify, I think yeah. it would be not failure in it because you can achieve think great things with having a difficult Europe, but you're not going to turn up in it because of the way it's structured and the Champions route. You're not going to turn up and draw, being lucky and draw an AC Milan in the playoff. Mm. You're going to be in around teams that, that are beatable. So I think the challenge actually for us football is we, we've got to get two teams in a conference okay. and start getting two teams.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, On to Derry. Um, because they were the team that obviously pushed Rovers as far as they did last season Uh, came away with a cup at the end of it as well Um, I I think a lot of people not expected is probably the wrong word they they would have liked to see them push Rovers a little bit further I think take that battle into the last round of games Um, but again you look at the signings that they've made and you look at the players that they've retained which is probably most important as well I mean, going through the when you saw the president's cup and you see Michael Duffy and Will Patching scoring, and you kind of think that they're not even probably up to full match fitness yet. They do have a very, very, very impressive squad. Do Derry and they're probably the best place to to challenge Rovers at this stage.
0: Yeah, you would you would feel they're the best place to challenge Rovers. Absolutely. Um, the, the 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 thing about Derry is, and not to speak about Rovers again, but. You probably win the league between the last five and ten games, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. In and around there is when the money's on the table. Sometimes it goes deeper than that, but that's at that stage. Last year, Rovers had lost five games and drawn seven or something, and they were still quite comfortable in the league. They ended up winning the last four or five games anyway. So, mm-hmm. but Derry, the amount of points Derry dropped, um, they have a huge gap to bridge. And Rovers under no pressure really to win the league last year. Done it in style, and they were excellent. I'm not being critical of them. Really good. We need a team to push them to mm. test this team, and it's a big jump for Derry to make. Um, dropped a lot of points had that spell midway through the season where um, didn't picked up something like three points out of 18 after and a brilliant start they y- fell yeah, away They fell then picked away. up again
1: and then fell away again ultimately.
0: yeah and, and that comes with it doesn't happen in very seldom would a team come and win a league in your first year of a new team mm, yeah. so um, it's a big year for them I like Colin Whelan as a signing um, as a centre forward is probably what I feel they needed to improve on Rory I would imagine does as well but I, I'd, I'd like to. I don't know the statistics of it, so it might be the wrong comment. But I'd like to see Derry the, keep more clean sheets and defensively. I, I would say that feels like an area to improve. But Duffy being f- fit this year for a full season. Remember when he signed last year, he basically didn't play the first sort of seventy percent of the season. Mm-hmm. Michael Duffy, big part to play. Um, I think it's a year. I'd love to see Patrick McIlhenny actually being the player of the year and for that to happen there you have to have a really good season but um, obviously first game of the season away to Pats it is a competitive league Mm. but unfortunately you can't afford to lose more than five six games a season
1: if you want to be champions Pats have signed impressively as well particularly looking at Tommy Lonergan coming in from UCD UCD have suffered a lot of uh, exits up front where I guess Colin Whelan had injuries and, and form to deal with last season. Tommy Lonergan very much picked up the slack for him. So it looks like again a team that needed a, a centre forward. It looks like Pats have got a ready-made one in in, in Lonergan.
0: Yeah, I watched Pats against um, Sligo last week. I'm really impressed with Lonergan. Um, he he looks like he, he's. He's grown into his body a little bit more from, from last year at UCD. He looks a lot stronger. I actually thought he would have went to the UK. I thought he was one that um a League One club would have taken a chance on. And I think that was near nearly happened. But um he he's a big important sign for them. Look, Owen Dial and how do they fit him and all Dial into it? By and large, they like to play three at the back, three, five, two, or different formations of that. they probably have a squad now that's probably Better, I would say, for the players to play a 4 of some sort um, and how do they fit in. Do they play Owen Doyle in the number 10 position? Um Owen Doyle, actually, for people who have young kids who are anyway good, when Owen Doyle plays up front, go and watch him live. His movement is probably the Fantastic. best I've ever yeah. seen of any footballer in League of One. And I, and I include, you know, Crowley or Jay Bourne in that. I'm talking about Owen's movement. It's sensational. But I tell you what, I tried to get Matt Dundalk... Jake Mulraney signing at Pats, he is exceptional footballer. If it goes well for Jake this year, uh, he'll really help them bridge that gap to to the top two. Jake Mulraney coming from, in from Orlando City is an exceptional footballer. I think he's from Inchicore, he's in around that area, yeah. born and bred. He's a good footballer, they've done good business there. Yeah. Who
1: else? Like I wanted to touch on Cork as well because obviously playing Bows tomorrow night as you mentioned an interesting position for them to be in because the ownership has changed hands they've been under such a steady path I guess under the Forest Group and they've now sold on they've come up again to the Premier Division how do you see them going this year? Um, Is it going to be like a Shells last year where it's basically get into mid-table and hold hold, that's a good result?
0: I, I, I I think UCD will be challenged this year all of the players they've lost and I think this might sound strange big result for Cork last year and potentially, draw at it was UCD beating Waterford in the playoff. Okay. Because there's another team that's going to be in and around it. Yeah. Now, Andy Myler's done a great job at UCD, but he's lost a serious amount of talent and having to rebuild. That's that's probably a help to Cork that you've got UCD. It's almost like not a buffer because you still, uh, many teams have found out, you still have this finish ahead of them. Okay. Uh, Finn Harps f- realised that last year. But I think um, what they've done is. Um, the signing of... I like him from Balls last year. Varen is, I think, two good centre-forwards that will get them goals, I think. And um, Tunde O'Labi from St. Pat's. I think the two... The signing of two of them, really strong. They're still trying to do business. A couple loan players in and mm. uh, bits and pieces. But I, I like what they've done um, in terms of centre-forwards. And I think that will give them a, a platform. And to be honest with you, going down to the Cross... I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Dundalk and Cork was completely sell out weeks in advance, six yeah, and a half yeah. thousand. It is a tough place to go. We we'll uh, The lad with a sign plastic pitch and you'd miss all that stuff from walking into that tunnel. That alone will help them pick up a certain amount of points mm. where going down there and picking up anything will be a bonus for the other clubs in and around them. So um, I think we need, we need a, as a league, we need a strong Cork I actually think now, and we can't manipulate, unfortunately, we probably need a strong Galway and Waterford in the Premier Division as well pretty soon, mm. where they're coming from. So, yeah, I think Cork will be comfortable. And I think the best example you used to, is they'll probably follow in what Shell's done
1: last year. Yeah. Ari, Um, if you are to pick champions at this early stage, are you going for?
0: Yeah, a bit like last year. I think Rovers are still comfortably ahead of the others for me. Um, I hope not. I hope they're pushed and tested because they're a great side, but I think Rovers are ahead. And into Europe? Um, I think, look, it, it looks like all, not, I don't know the right word about Dundalk is, not all not well. They haven't had a lot of signings. So for me, um, the top three will be um, Rovers, Derry, Pats. And I think Bowles will push for that European spot. And then who knows when the cup
1: comes in when the fork gets to Europe. All right, Vinnie Perth, pleasure as always have you. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for taking time out. And uh, all our football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team.
0: This is
1: News Talk.